0: Hey, keto freaks! In case you haven't heard, Richard Morris and I are turning the entire town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic in July 2017. Keto Fest isn't a conference. Conferences are for professionals, festivals are for people. We will have some great speakers, yes, but also a pig roast, music, movies, cooking lessons, fitness lessons, bike tours, walking tours, and a whole lot of camaraderie among fellow Ketonians. Richard and I will both be there as will many of our podcast guests and Facebook group admins. There's so much going on, I don't have time to tell you here. So go to Ketofest.com and add your name to the mailing list so you'll know where to go and when in order to get your tickets. Ketofest. Real keto for real people. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February of 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm about 80 pounds lighter with no sign of diabetes or heart disease.
1: I'm Richard Morris from Canberra, Australia, and I've also been on a ketogenic diet for over two years. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. Disappeared? Had disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've also lost about 80 pounds and have completely turned my health around.
0: And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years. And it's been about two over two and a half. Yeah, yeah. In ketosis. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah.
1: We're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, No, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Nah. (laughs) We have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make.
0: Yep. Yeah. You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we are both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook and we love to eat. Mm. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. <laughs> 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 we do. So, Richard, let's start podcast episode 42 Grit. Grit. Hey.
1: We were actually going to call it The meaning of Life, The Universe and Everything. The
0: Answer to Everything. Obviously, a f- call back to- The Answer to Everything. To uh, get a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
1: Yeah, but uh, we found something more important to talk about.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is definitely more important. Mm. Uh, before we get started, Richard, do we have any corrections or apologies from last week?
1: Last week? What did we do last week?
0: <laughs> friends and family. <laughs> it's all a blur. Yeah,
1: I think friends and family, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Uh,
1: no, I think we're good. I think we have no no errata from that one. But if anyone ha- finds anything in it, any of our podcasts, you can go back to podcast number one. If you find something you disagree with, let us know mm. and we'll call it out.
0: Uh, I think what we did is mostly start conversations around, uh, you know, what to do at the holidays with your family and, and friends that uh, yeah. come down hard on you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So let's recap what a ketogenic diet is. And a ketogenic diet is any diet that puts you into a state of nutritional ketosis where you yep. are burning fat for fuel and exactly. generating ketones, mm-hmm. ketone bodies. But the diet that we follow here mm. comprises of 20 grams or less of carbs a day, incidental yep. carbohydrates, mostly from green leafy vegetables sure. and maybe a few nuts. Mm-hmm. Or whatever's in heavy cream or cheese, mm-hmm. and moderate protein, which scales based on how much lean body mass you have. Sure. And we use a measurement of one to one and a half grams of protein per day for every kilogram of lean body mass.
1: Yep, and that's worked for both of us. So yeah.
0: And the rest of it comes from fat. That's it. All of our energy is from fat. And lately I've been using this uh, method, mm-hmm. which is whenever I get hungry, you know, we only eat when we're hungry and we stop when we're full. So whenever I get That's hungry, yeah. the first thing I do is I take a teaspoon of coconut oil.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: And then when I'm cooking, you know, uh, I'm, that coconut oil is going to work on my hunger so that by the time yeah. I've actually prepared my meal, I'm generally eating less.
1: Yeah, how much food that you you eat is mitigated by your uh, satiation levels.
0: Yeah, so fat to satiety. That's that's it. How was your week, Richard?
1: Yeah, it was actually pretty good. We're recording in the week of Thanksgiving. It's actually the day after Thanksgiving here, and uh, I did my quarterly blood tests today. Uh, I'll know the results Mm. next week, and you may remember that for the past three months, I've gone off all oral Diabetic medication. I was on metformin, even though my doctor said I really didn't need it. I was really trying to aim for the lowest possible blood sugar readings I could, or the lowest yeah. possible, the best possible glucose control. And yep. uh, so I went, I went off metformin just to, I wanted to see if I could maintain non-diabetic ranges of glucose without any oral medication. Yeah. And uh, I've been doing spot tests of my glu- using my glucometer, and it's going to be tight. It's going to be close. My HbA1c for the previous quarter, the uh, 3 months ago was f- 5.2 and it's been like that for over 2 years. So it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see how much higher, if any, I'll be above 5.2 or maybe lower, who knows. <laughs>
0: wow, that's great.
1: Yeah, so that's my week. How was wow. Yeah, how
0: was yours? So uh, Thanksgiving here in the States was last night, actually, after, mm. you know, this, we're recording this the morning after mm. here in the United States. And uh, I had a great time. I, you nice. know, I basically prepped my gravy stock the night before on Wednesday. Mm. Yeah. And so that meant I went out and I bought turkey necks, mm. <laughs> three turkey necks, and I browned them up and with the femurs from the thighs that I did, you know, we we did this whole yeah. Show where I I put up
1: cocking thing yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah and so I made the stock from that and uh, put it in the fridge overnight and made gravy from it yesterday mm. and uh, I did the turkey thighs stuffed with herbs and I got a turkey breast and I made low carb stuffing and nice. cauliflower mm. mash and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> i'm getting hungry again <laughs> uh,
0: and i did julie's german cabbage too oh you did how was that yeah everybody loved it that was nice. fantastic nice yeah the fennel seed and yeah. the cloves just make that pop yes and cider vinegar mm. and i also made my brussels sprouts uh so we had three cabbages really we had cauliflower mm. we had brussels sprouts and and red cabbage nice no complaints
1: all the, all the high-carb people didn't notice, right?
0: Nobody noticed. They all thought it was good food. It was just good food. <laughs> That's the trick. Yep. That's how you do Thanksgiving. That's <laughs> how you do Thanksgiving. So, and I didn't put on any weight because I, my glucose was under control the whole night. Oh, and I also did the pumpkin mousse and we all had a little bit of yeah, that Nice afterwards. I mean, it was essentially a repeat of what I did before. Yep. All right. Well, before we bring Shane on, let's get to some... Mayo! Mayo! <laughs> <laughs>
1: So this is a mail from Christopher who posts in our Facebook group, and he says, Mm. I had posted about an NSV, that's a non-scale victory, a few weeks ago when I had to get taken off blood pressure and triglyceride meds because my blood pressure had dropped too low. And this sometimes Mm. happens when you go on a keto diet. uh, It modifies how your kidneys deal with salt, and Mm. if you're on medication to lower your blood pressure, uh, mm. Then you sometimes naturally end up going to a normal blood pressure, and that medication could drop it even further. So
0: yeah, you overshoot it.
1: I suggest yeah, you overshoot, and so I suggest you know I suggest to people who are on blood pressure hypertensive medication uh, to work talk to their doctor and and let them know that you're about to start a diet and it could affect things, and maybe they mm. may want to uh, modify your medication. Yeah. So he goes on. And he says I have to have a retest because of my kidney function. And uh, thankfully, I was able to get off the meds. That was for triglyceride and mm. for blood pressure, and the issues with his kidney function disappeared on their own, which for which yeah. he's relieved. But he says the ha- the happy part of the follow up visit was that I got the chance to rerun my lipid panel again, and now I could tell how much effect could be blamed on the medication and how much I could blame on the diet. Mm. So he before he started keto. And he was on medication. He was on medication to lower his triglycerides. His triglycerides were (sighs) 1,130. Oh, my gosh. So this is medicated before keto. Wow. For comparison, I never had triglyceride medication, but the worst ever was was 1,111. So I was up at the same range. And when I told Dr. Finney that last week, he said, man, when they took blood, it must have been cloudy because you could see the fat in it. Yeah. So anyway, so Christopher's score before keto on medication was eleven thirty. Jeez. When he went on keto, but he was medicated, his score dropped from eleven thirty to eighty three. Oh my gosh! That's triglycerides amazing. Triglycerides of eighty three. I know, right? So yeah. this is lit- literally he's right in the zone where he's he, his triglycerides are are under a hundred. So his LDL is is large and buoyant. It's no longer small and dense. Right. You know, and it's ideal. So the interesting thing is that was on keto with medication. So what were these newfangled medication that he was taking? What was the effect when he went off those and got retested a couple of weeks later? Mm. So when he tested having been on keto only with no phenofibrate, which is this medication, his triglycerides went from 83 to 67. Wow. So that's the difference between making a (laughs) dietary change and having pharma- pharmaceuticals.
0: And it turns out the pharmaceuticals were not only not working for him, they were hindering him by about 20 points. Yes, you're
1: right, Carl. That's exactly
0: it. Mm. It's incredible, isn't it? Mm, it is Absolutely incredible. Absolutely
1: incredible. It shows you what happens when you get out of the way of the body and let it manage right. things properly. Don't give it carbohydrates and disturb the system, and everything all starts to work for you.
0: Yeah. Okay, here's another one from Kristen, and she says, an NSV of a different sort that I wanted to share As I'm sure there are others dealing with similar issues. Mm -hmm. The last few weeks have been beyond emotionally hard for me for several reasons, and this will continue for at least another few weeks. Here's the thing, though. For nearly 10 years, I suffered with depression and anxiety, often quite crippling. Within two months of starting a keto diet, I was off all my meds. Four months in, and I am now in the best mental state I can remember as an adult. Oh, wow. Which brings me to my NSV. Mm. I see no relapse mentally on the horizon. I am tired and emotionally exhausted at the moment, but I'm not turning to food to fix things. I'm able to process things so much better. It's amazing. And every day, I'm so thankful for having made the changes that I've made.
1: Oh that's incredible. It 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 really do, it does Brenda was telling us this on episode 21 yeah. that it really changed her depressive cycles and yeah. uh, this is just a a, a a wonderful example.
0: Congratulations, Kristen. Yeah,
1: congratulations, Kristen. So the third mail that we have was from Sarnia. and Sarnia says, I had a checkup at my cardiologist today. The same cardiologist who last year told me it would be quote-unquote, highly unlikely that I'd be able to reduce my cholesterol without taking one of the three scripts that she had written for me. Mm. Well, I never filled any of them, and I did improve my lipid scores with diet alone. Fancy that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well done. Mm. We've all done that. (laughs) That's awesome. Anyway, so today I broached the idea of a calcium heart scan, and to cut a long story short, she doesn't recommend it and wouldn't give me a referral as she doesn't feel it's necessary. I don't actually need one. I can just have it anyway. But she did say that if I wanted to, she would refer me for an angiogram. This is actually a much more complicated huh. procedure that costs yeah. a lot more money in, and, and it, uh, it's invasive, isn't it? It's invasive, and it's it's done by cardiologists, so you know, <laughs> right? They don't want to they don't want to go sending any money to radiologists, obviously. Any, anyway, back to Sanya. She says, in her words, this is the cardiologist: a calcium scan would not show soft plaque in the arteries, whereas an angiogram will. And as I have high cholesterol, 7.8 total, that is what causes the soft plaque. Therefore, that's the risk factor I should be taking the cholesterol-lowering drugs for according to the cardiologist. Mm. So I mentioned to the cardiologist that I do research without blindly following what people tell me and that that there is a lot of research pointing to the fact that cholesterol is not the huge deal when it comes to coronary risk factors, as we have been led to believe. I think her eyes may have glazed over at that point. Mm. Her answer to me was, well, we still believe it is, and with your lipid profile, well, you need to be improving that. She almost had a coronary herself when I mentioned that I cook everything in butter. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciated myself getting my own calcium score because I I got a score of zero and that that's good. But what's better is that I know exactly what's happening in there mm. and the calcium. Calcification, if you have a score of zero, you pretty much have a 15-year warranty against a heart attack. So right. it cost me about $140, so it mm. was well worth it. Mm-hmm. So Gabor says uh, you can actually have a CAC scan without a referral, but supposedly that costs more, around about $100. And he disagrees that calcium sequestering, which is where the plaque takes in calcium, he disagrees that that is an unimportant marker. If you only have soft plaques, then the event risk is way lower than showing extended calcification, which is what he's really saying is that uh, if you have uh, uh, calcified plaques, your risk is so much higher. Mm. And that's why it's a it's a critical factor. Even though the soft plaques come first, the calcification is what happens prior to the risk.
0: All right. Before we uh, bring Shane on here, there's one more thing that I want to read. And um, I had posted... A couple of days ago, in our Facebook mm-hmm. group, which now has, uh, um, well, we're creeping towards nine thousand members. We're almost yeah. eighty six hundred members. Yeah, I posted um, a, a screenshot of the statistics for the downloads that I get every once in a while. I post, you sure. know, this is how many. Sh- this is how many times our shows have been downloaded. It lists each show and the number of downloads. And uh, yeah, Doctor Fung's show is still kicking it at over 90,000 yeah. downloads and uh, I know.
1: but it also <laughs> it puts
0: is. the costs of each show you know yeah. of these downloads in a in a column to the right
1: yeah, we pay to have these uh, podcasts hosted. It's a, it's a small couple of fractions of a cent per download, but, you know, mm. it does add up.
0: It does add up, yeah. But that's not why I posted it. I posted it because no. I wanted people to see the download numbers. And then sure. a couple of people commented, wow, I had no idea that it costs so much money to put on a podcast. I f- I figured it was just, you know, either free or cheap, but I can see that this is costing you guys a bit of money. And, and then uh, one of our members, John, posted. Carl recently posted a pic detailing the number of downloads and associated costs. I never imagined it cost too much to put out a popular podcast. And then he says, I don't know about the rest of you, but these guys have been invaluable to helping me turn my life around. I very much appreciate listening to their podcasts with without the constant advertising and shilling for donations. There are over 8,000 of us here on Facebook. I went to ketodudescom and hit the donate button, and I challenge the rest of you to do the same so that these guys can continue doing what they're doing um, for the insulin-resistant and type 2 diabetic community. And heck, if 33 people didn't make a donation in the last couple of days... Because of that post. That's wonderful, people. We have a lot of great people in our group, uh, listeners as
1: well as people in our Facebook group. There's probably, there are a few people in the Facebook group who've never ever heard us on a podcast, surprisingly. Oh, right. But, uh, we, we, we appreciated the response so much. I guess Thanksgiving is a good opportunity for us to be thankful for, uh, for the community that's built up around this. I mean, we did this. For us, for our own benefit, we, the reason that we podcast in the first place was as a commitment device to help Carl to stick to keto in the first, in the, in the beginning process. That's right. And then we got such a large community so quickly of people who were really getting great benefit out of it that we ourselves got enormous benefit by being able to help people. So, you know, f- so for us, it's, it, it, it's, uh, slightly selfish. We're, we, we're doing it because we enjoy doing it, but we're very grateful for, our admins who spread across the globe and help keep our forum going. If it was just Carl and I, we wouldn't be able to have the Facebook group of the size that we have. That's right.
0: So thank you so much for for those who donated. And you're right, we're not going to make this turn this into a, an NPR fund drive. But uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, if you do, if you do feel like donating, we will happily take your money. And that brings us to our guest today, Richard. Shane Barnbrook hails from Central Victoria, Australia. He's been doing keto for around 18 months and has lost just over 100 pounds. And Shane comes from a social work background. He spent over 10 years working with disadvantaged youth. He was a stay-at-home dad for the two years leading up to his accident, which he's here to tell us about. Welcome, Shane. Hey, good day. Welcome. Welcome, guys? Thanks. Yeah, thanks for being here. Tell us your story. Well...
2: It started in um uh, the, around the 1st of uh, February, 2012. I was um busy playing a computer game. So I was scoffing some leftover chicken curry that my grandmother had sent home with my wife. A scoffing in Australia is eating. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the so trans- You were pretty
0: chuffed about it, weren't you? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've known Richard for about 10 years, so there you go. That's all right. Anyway, I yeah. was... um. Yeah, eating this chicken curry really quickly and I didn't notice mm. that there was half a wishbone in it, which I swallowed the wishbone. So about Oof. two days later, this was the first of my mistakes, about two days later it got caught behind my chest and I thought I had indigestion, which I'd never had indigestion before. So I took a heap of antacids. Now apparently the, um, the acid in your stomach can dissolve chicken bones But because I had the antacids, didn't dissolve the chicken bone. And it it continued down through and it um, ended up... That was a Monday night and by the Thursday night I passed it but I started feeling really sick. And I went to the hospital and they said, our chicken bones are sterile, nothing could have gone wrong. That was on the Saturday morning. By the Sunday night I couldn't stand up. Um, I got my grandparents to take me to the emergency department, and I remember I had to lay on the floor like I couldn't stand or even sit in a seat in the emergency department. Um, And the last thing I remember, they took me into the emergency room and I remember projectile vomiting about three (laughs) metres. That's impressive. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I was sitting on the bed and I hit the wall at the opposite side of the cubicle. Wow. Apparently, they kept me in at that hospital And that was the last thing I remember, was that vomit. They kept me in that that hospital, um, and by about 3 in the morning, they sent me down to a bigger hospital in Melbourne. Mm. The next morning, they started an operation. I remember none of this. Uh, I continued to go downhill, and after about a week, they'd done, uh, I think it was 9 operations, they couldn't find the source of the infection. Did the chicken bone perforate your intestine? Or- yeah. Yeah.
0: So toxic shock.
2: They, um, I'd gone septic, fully septic, because uh, yeah. they, um, they ended up removing, I think it was 72% of my bowel and my entire lower intestine.
0: Oh, my God.
2: Um, yeah, I was in an in induced coma for just over two weeks. Um, it ended up, it was something like, 13 operations they had until they found the infection. Wow. Um, All this I should have said, on the 11th of February, so this started basically on the 1st, on the 11th of February, they called in a Catholic priest to read my last rites and got all my family in and said, Mm. he's not going to make it through the night. So that was the 11th. Wow. Then on the 15th of February, my wife gave birth to our third child. So she was nine months pregnant through all this. Um, and when I, like, they brought me out of the coma, um, I don't really remember the first three or four months, um, but I developed a thing that only people that get severe septicemia get, and that's called critical illness polyneuropathy. And it's basically a complete atrophy of all your muscles. So my first memories, I had to have a tracheotomy. I've still got a really nice scar in the middle of my chest. Um, And with that tracheotomy, of course, you can't talk. And because I had complete atrophy, I couldn't move anything below my neck. So even like if you imagine having an itchy nose and you can't move your arms to scratch your nose and you can't talk to say... You know, can you just come over and scratch your my nose? You just have to right. lay there and deal with it. Wow. Um, so I was in the ICU for about six months, the intensive care unit, and then they sent me to a rehab unit. But because of my size, they weren't turning me side to side well enough, mm. and so I developed a pressure wound on my back yeah. that also went septic. So they ended up having to send me back to the original hospital, and I had um, two lots of surgery on my lower back, where they ended up. I got osteomyelitis, so that's an infection in the bone. So they had to cut out my coccyx. Oh my god! I actually still have the um, the remnants of the pressure sore. I've been told that may never heal. Wow! Like even though. Yeah, so they're still sort of an open wound, which um, i say I'm in good company. I mean, um, Henry VIII had an ulcer on his leg for 40-odd years. And, a
0: famous turkey eater.
2: Yeah, that's right. And also probably a famous
1: diabetic as well. Yeah, for, probably. 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 right, yeah. Massive. Probably the only one who could afford to eat <laughs> the amount of food necessary to become diabetic in yeah, the Tudor mm-hmm. era.
2: <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I went back to Oswell and I was in a medical ward for five months. And then they sent me to a different rehab unit where I was in the rehab there
0: for nine months. So this adventure had been how long in total by now? 20 months, thereabouts. 20 months. Yeah.
2: So I was home for about three months, three, four, and I had no no funding or any additional care. It was just my wife. And so she ended up, um, she's got calcifications on her shoulder A ligament tear on a hip and a stomach hernia.
0: So, so what, what, what was that caused by?
2: From having to move me around because I couldn't. I still didn't have enough function to roll in bed or um, because I. Wow. Couldn't get in and out of bed at that stage. Wow! So she'd have to hoist me out of the wheelchair, push the hoist over the bed, lower me down.
0: Oh, jeez!
2: Before all this happened, Shane was Shane was big, but but
1: active and mobile, and you know, yeah, he yeah. Didn't have too many problems. But it, but once all this happens, and you now are immobilized, mm-hmm. he he literally could not move himself below his neck, and so he had to have yeah. somebody sort of move him from side to side yeah, of the bed yeah. just to relieve pressure. Yeah, and that pressure of doing that. Uh, she had a hernia and uh, did a ligament in her shoulder. You know, she, she's a big, solid, strong girl, but you know, Shane's a big lad. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, right. well,
2: on that for that um, twenty months that I was in hospital, they had to move me every two hours. That was all through the night. So for twenty months, I never had more than two hours straight sleep because oh. they had to wake me up to good lord to roll me over. So that was that was fun. Yeah, so anyway, so I went um, to respite in a nursing home. I was supposed to be there for seven weeks so Sarah could have the hernia repair. And after about five weeks, it was decided that the repair had failed, so they were going to have to keep me in the nursing home. And ended up as a, in total, I was there for about two years living in a nursing home. Um, and Sarah since had another hernia operation. This time I have hope they fixed it, and she's having her hip operated on mid next year. I think July. Did anybody
0: know? put two and two together and offer you any kind of in home care?
2: Well, we have now. This is how come I've I've come home again now because it was costing the government more to keep me in a nursing home than it would have was. Right. At the moment, I have carers come in every day that help me get out of bed.
0: Mm.
2: Um, And I can get myself into bed
0: now, and I can actually roll around in bed. So you're not paralyzed anymore?
2: No, no. Well, I'm I'm classed what they call incomplete quadriplegic. So it's still when you don't have full function, um, Mm. my arms and legs. Like, I can't walk or anything. I can kick my feet out. So I've got some movement back, but it's not. Like, you know, I'm still in an electric wheelchair and get hoisted into it every morning. Um, That was actually, that was something I found just on a side note. I went and watched um, Doctor Strange recently. Okay. Yeah, and he's supposed to have um, neurological damage that stops him from using his hands. And it was so mm. shocking. As someone who lives with neurological damage, I can't use my hands properly every day, watching him try to act as someone who couldn't do that. And I was like, uh, you know, he should have
0: he <laughs> called you as a yeah, consultant. Yes, that's right.
2: He should have come and spent a week over here and, you know, I could have shown him how to do it properly. Yeah, that was Benedict Cumberbunch, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yes, it was. But anyway, yeah, so, okay. but now I can actually, um, and this is where, because I, I was a big guy, as Richard said, yeah, and a lot of the stuff, uh, a lot of the rehabs so are getting to stand again, but even I can get myself into bed now, a lot of that was nearly impossible at my size, because, you know, mm. I couldn't lift myself up to get across to the bed and all
0: the rest of it. So, how, how big are we talking here, Shane?
2: Well, I had um, – we bought these scales before I got sick and they they topped out at 180 kilo. And I thought, oh, yeah, that'll be, you know, fine. And I got on it and they said, no, too heavy. We can't read. One at a time, so, please. Yes, yes. Wow. So I was over 180 kilo. That's about 400 pounds. Yeah. 400. So I'm at about 130 now.
1: And 130
0: so, is about 280.
2: So you lost right. about, yeah, about 120 pounds almost. Yeah, around there. Wow, that's great. That's weighable
0: anyway because, as I said, yeah. like, it was over 180. And obviously, since you've done the ketogenic diet, some function has come back in addition to yeah, just losing yeah. weight, right? So what, yep. what was that transformation?
2: Uh, I was telling Richard I've had a um, – an old friend I still went to kindergarten with, he's um a myotherapist, so he does nutrition stuff as well, and he's really on board with the, the keto stuff, and he's been able to help um fire up my nerves and do a lot of those mm. sorts of deep muscle massage and um acupuncture mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things to so try and mm. get that function back as well. So so you had a problem when you were at the nursing home that uh, getting onto a ketogenic diet, didn't you? Yes, yes. So what was that experience like? Yeah, that was that was very frustrating, um, because in sort of you know institutions the the mm. thinking is definitely not ketogenic, so it yeah. ended up I had to because um, I was starting to intermittent fast, so I wouldn't have anything until they bring around afternoon tea because normally they bring breakfast, so your typical cereal mm-hmm. breakfast, then yeah. they bring like cake and um. Tea or coffee. And it was interesting. Before I went there, they'd never had sweeteners. Right. So everybody had sugar. Yes, yes. Everyone wow. everyone there. It was a 40 bed nursing home. Yeah. Wow.
1: These were all m- mostly geriatrics. Though, yeah, so yeah, yeah. These are people who grew up without sweeteners in their lives. and Absolutely. You were like a 30 year old guy in a house full of seven year olds. Yep. 80 year olds. Wow. Yep.
2: Jeez. So I. um. Yeah, I used to have, they used to send down two boiled eggs, fracking tea, and then I'd have a, a protein shake or a tin of tuna or, you know, nice. mix it up for something to have for, for tea. So that's how I managed to survive. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, now I'm home and having proper cooked. Real food. <laughs> yes. We just got four chickens that have just started to lay, so wow. we, we have our own eggs coming in. Ah. Yeah. Fresh eggs, so are awesome. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you guys grow a lot of your own food, don't yes,
2: you? Yes, yes. We've just put in a huge um, – I actually just posted in the kiddo group on a Reply to Brenda's. We just put in a mm. huge – we basically turned our front yard into a veggie garden. So Nice. Got all, all sorts yeah, that's of very different things growing.
0: You do the mm. same too, Richard, right? You grow yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, we do.
1: We do, yeah. Wargle Greens and uh, Potomarans and uh, – uh, silver beets and uh, tomatoes, a lot of herbs as well. We, we we use a lot of fresh herbs. Herbs are probably one of the easiest things to grow. I mean, you can have black you can have black
2: thumbs. You could be notorious for <laughs> yeah. killing
1: plants and and still grow herbs. <laughs> they take punishment.
2: Yeah, we had um, Sarah. So we because we buy cheap cheap cuts of meat. Then one that um, really cheap is chicken cutlets. They're just the mm. uh, yeah. So. Sarah, we bought them and she just roasted them, and we picked our own, um, like a lettuce spinach mix, and mm. like there was no be- no better meal than your homegrown mm. lettuce and spinach mix with some freshly roasted chicken. I can tell you, it was amazing, delicious. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I can um, transfer myself now to into bed. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't quite got the. Because I can't sit up properly. yet, So, right. once I can actually sit up on my own, well, then I'll be able to transfer out of bed. So but
0: I notice your fingers work and you're yeah. actually using the computer.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I can type. Um, which and when did on, that function come back?
2: Um, it was probably only about two years ago. So, it's almost five years. So, that come back about two years ago. Yeah, well, slowly. Okay. Like... When my hands first come back, I could bend my fingers probably at about 45%, uh, 45 mm-hmm. degrees, I mean, and now I can bend them all the way like my fingertips can touch. You can make a fist now. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, wow. And do you think that will continue to improve?
2: It will continue to improve, but at what level Little, like I'll never get back to being – Got it. You know, an, a regular walking around kind no, no, of person, sure, but sure. Um, yeah, I'm sure it'll it'll continue to.
0: Did you have inflammation that was exacerbated by your condition that that uh, went down after you started a ketogenic diet?
2: Oh, definitely, definitely, especially with the um the rehab. Because you, yeah, you sit still constantly, you have a lot of swelling and stuff, particularly in your lower legs, and just. Sitting still yeah. So keto's definitely helped a lot with that, and a lot with my ankles and feet in particular.
0: Yeah, that's great. And how's Sarah doing?
2: Yeah, she's doing really well. As I said, she's entertaining tonight, so she's not around. But yeah, for her, the inflammation has been a huge thing with the ketogenic diet. um Particularly, mm. as I said, she's got the the sh- hip. Yeah. yeah, the shoulder injury and the hip injury. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The. The inflammation difference is made just from from not having those sort of carbs and diets. Yeah, huge.
0: A lot of people don't really understand that, um, and you know, some people in my family are among them. That even what we consider to be healthy carbs, you know, whole grain yeah, breads yeah. and cereals and yeah, yeah. and fruits contribute so much to inflammation. Yep. that you really you really have to cut them all out. Yeah. Wow, that's, um, that's amazing. You've got some serious grit there, my friend, and so does Sarah.
1: Well, we do what we can. The latest thing really is uh, Shane was talking to me the other day, and this is the, r- the main reason that we got him on, um, and he was asking me uh, if I knew anything about ketogenic diets for children and anything right. about ketogenic diets for cancer and yeah. uh i said well yeah i i i know a few people who've put their kids on keto but kids can really have a relaxed keto they're mm. not going to get. They're not. Kids are a lot more insulin sensitive than adults, and so that they can tolerate right. a lot more, a uh, lot more glucose than than we can. Um, especially when you, they're very deranged, like the three of us are. I mean, Shane, were yeah. you yeah. diabetic before? You were diabetic before you got ill, or you were very? close? Yes,
2: yes. I was. Pre, I was on metformin, so I was pre-diabetic. Right. But yeah. I had, um, I had full organ failure, so I was on dialysis right. for a while and. Um, that night when I was supposed to have died, my, um, blood pressure was 37 over 17. And wow. they, ha- they oh had gosh. to, the, um, the head of the intensive care unit stayed overnight and they had to use an ultrasound on my heart to make sure that my heart was still beating because they, they couldn't feel my pulse, like. They couldn't get a reading, so.
1: Wow. you got to be pretty bad when the
2: Catholic Church gives up on you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And as I keep saying to people, like, does that mean I can go out and sin now? I mean, I've had my last- I think you've got a free pass, yeah.
0: (laughs) Do you have any triggers, like, around curry? If somebody says, let's go out for a curry. No, no, I (laughs) I still eat chicken, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, Well, it's funny, actually- um, because the recipe that my grandmother cooked was, like, an old family favourite. It's a way to use up yeah. leftover chicken, so after a right, big event. Right. And um, they cooked it about 12 months later, and, like, my grandmother was like, oh, I swear, you know, we've been through it, make sure there's no bones and mm. all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, she served sure, up a big oh, plate right. to my wife, and, like, the first thing she got was a big piece of bone, and she was... I <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, oh, no. So... Yeah. Yes, there. I, I remember after this happened, the
1: first time Shane got online, pretty much the first thing he says is, I will never eat chicken <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. but, the, but
2: the problem is chicken
1: is delicious. Yeah, I no, no,
2: no. That's right. Uh, yeah, so I just I chew a lot more carefully
0: now. So getting back to the whole keto for kids and yeah. uh, and cancer, what is, what's the impetus behind those yeah, queries? Well,
2: so I said I've got three children and my um, my oldest daughter, who's seven, um, is looks like she's got brain tumors. So that comes oh. as a bit of a shock. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, um, both of my older two children have dual diagnosis. So they're autistic as well as having ADHD. Mm. So with Katie, she's the young girl. Um, the biggest sign was her autism medication has stopped working. Um, she put on about eight kilos in a month. Wow, that's a lot for a kid. Mm. Yeah, yeah. She complains of, um, occasional blurred vision and headaches and all the rest of it. So we saw this, we went and saw a pediatrician and he said that basically is the only thing that he knows. So she's booked in to go to, um... Our state's um, children's hospital to have scans, but mm. right because of her age, they have to give her a general anaesthetic. They can't mm. just give her an MRI. So yeah, she has to be still for almost uh, several hours, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah, whatever it yeah. takes. And they they do the mm. the radio like um, they inject her with the ink into her brain, yeah. so they can. Mm test it all out
0: and so are they cutting their carbohydrates and all of that stuff too yeah well, that's what we were gonna
2: do because um we'd i'd sort of read through i think it was even through you guys group through keto dudes about um keto having an effect on cancers and tumors and things like that and so that's as soon as i found out that was all going on that's i spoke to richard about you Mm -hmm. know what can we do
0: Yeah, there's a few really good success stories of of people uh, shrinking tumors with with a ketogenic diet, yeah. So that's what
2: we're going to be going for. Good. Um, The biggest things are um, because she used to share a room with her little sister, but now because of the new medication, she stays up a lot later at night. She went Uh went on this new medication after seeing the podiatrist. Oh, she also used to sleep on the top bunk, but um, he said that oh. she shouldn't share a room or sleep on the top bunk anymore. So.
0: so, I you've probably heard of this thing that I made for programmers called music to code by. No. Well, um, this has turned out to be effective for one of my customers whose daughter has, uh, is autistic and can't sleep, and it turned out to be the only thing that could help her sleep at night.
2: There you go. And
0: so. What it is, is it's music that is scientifically formulated in tempo and content to put you into a state of flow, to relax yeah. and help you focus. Love we'll to check um, that it, out. It's been very effective. Very effective. So I'll, I'll give you a copy of that. Yeah, that'd be
2: great. It. Thank you. Sure.
0: And I was saying to Richard, we're having a um,
2: a keto launch party to get the family in the in the swing of things in about two weeks. Yeah, great. Cause um the friend that I mentioned earlier, he's really keen on fully kicking in to lift keto lifestyle. So awesome! So this is something Carl does. He has he has
1: uh, dinners over at his place. He invites a bunch of people, mm-hmm. talks to them about the keto diet, and then gives them some keto food. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's basically making converts. You
2: know, which is wonderful.
0: Yep. And basically, it's to clearing up misinformation and yeah. fears and things. Yeah.
2: Yep, we're basically going to have a big, big kickoff feast.
0: Get the pizza going. Yeah, always works. That's what I think we're going to do. That's what I was uh-huh. talking
1: about. Uh, one, one quick question, um, Shane. Did you want to? Uh, did you set up a Kickstarter or? A yeah, I
2: was in the middle of setting one up tonight. Um, Can we briefly talk about it and just? Well, as I said, we got a Katie used to share a bedroom with her sister, and now we've got to. Um, Put her in her own room, so we've actually got to mm-hmm. basically redesign our house yet again.
1: <laughs> How are you guys going to afford that? I mean, you don't have a lot of money coming in. No, so no,
2: they? we don't. We don't at all. If we set up a fundraising page for it, we're hoping to get some, um, some stuff together, and I've got a heap of friends who are going to come around and... We got a we got an old room. It's just got um, cement sheeting on it, right? Chiprock, chiprock, yeah, drywall, yeah. Get a plaster of that and put some insulation. Turn it into a proper third bedroom, mm, and nice. um, put in some air
0: conditioning or something. And so we will put a link to your GoFundMe page. That'd be great. Thank you very much. And uh, you know what? We might as well give you the the link, uh, Shane dot two keto dot com right now. Yeah,
1: if you go to Shane dot two keto dot com, you can um, uh, help donate uh, money and help Shane uh, build a a, a special
0: bedroom for his uh, for his daughter. Because you can see he didn't do anything to deserve this (laughs) this sequence of events that just snowballed from a curry. I know.
2: You know. Last week was my my wife and I's tenth anniversary. And um, I've said, like, in the last 10 years, we've gone through what some couples, you know, wouldn't go through half it in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've gone through it in the last 10 years. So You guys have
1: shown incredible grit. I mean, there's, yeah. there's not much you can do except no deal with everything as it comes along you
2: oh, know? we get asked yeah. that a lot like you know how do you how do you keep going and there's just yeah. there's no other way you the just...
0: alternative sucks though yeah shane, doesn't that's, it? that's right <laughs> you just gotta soldier on very good shane thank you so much and give our yeah. love to sarah and the kids as well oh well
2: thank you thank you for having me around thanks
0: Wow, Richard, what a great story. Thank you for bringing Shane.
1: Yeah, more than happy to. He's a remarkable guy. It's mm. funny, you know, when when life throws you a lot of challenges, you've got two opportunities. You can either curl up into a ball or you can stand up and face them. And, uh, yeah. Most people don't get the kind of challenges that Shane's had thrown at him, um, and he's a remarkable fellow for being able to uh, maintain his humour through all of that. Yeah. And he is, he, as, you, as you saw, he's a funny guy. He is a funny who, who guy,
0: really guy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, talk about food now. It's time for... Recipes! Recipes! Recipes. Recipes. Gingivitis. <laughs> uh, no chicken curry today. <laughs>
1: no, we're not going to do chicken no. curry as a recipe. We were tempted, but no. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we're, were tempted, now
0: no. sure wouldn't. Uh, should I go first, or do you want to yeah. go first?
1: No, no. I, I want to I hear what you've got, Carl.
0: Okay. Well, uh, last week, as you may or may not know, I spent the week in Amsterdam or just outside of Amsterdam in a town called Harlem. It's Harlem, like Harlem, New York City, but with two A's and Harlem. Two A's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we went to this restaurant called Ratatouille, Mm. which is interesting because they have the the silhouette of the rat, you know, (laughs) the, the, the movie Ratatouille. Really? Okay. Yeah. But it was very good. and. It was one of these hot cuisine places where they, you don't get an option. You just say, what are your food allergies? And then they bring you, you know, course after course after course. And wow. uh, they were very accommodating, by the way. Um, people who had various intolerances or whatever, very happy to do ketogenic and uh, had all sorts of great food. But the best part of it was this perfectly cooked egg. Mm. Okay. And I said, How did they do this? And she says, Yeah. Sixty-three degrees Celsius, obviously. Yeah. For three hours in a water bath. Nice. In a sous-vide.
1: So describe the egg for
0: me. Was it in the shell? Oh no. No. It was it was on top of uh, some other stuff, which includes some smoked meat and things. Mm. But the egg itself was perfect. And when I say perfect, like it was still runny. it still oozed, but mm. it was thick. Mm. You know what I mean? It was So the, in, the outside of the egg was solid. It had set. Yeah. The white, it wasn't solid. It wasn't, you know, solid, like a hard boiled egg is solid. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. was just perfect. It was, it, it was just like not too solid and not too runny. Nice. And I can't describe it any other way. It was just perfect. And the, the egg yolk ran slowly, but it was thick. You know what I mean? Mm. It, it, yeah. It hadn't set. So it was solid, and yet it wasn't just runny. It It was—I can't describe it. It was perfect. It was perfect.
1: Still, yeah,
0: yeah. And so, so I found this website at seriouseats.com, which is sous vide one hundred and one, all about eggs. And I'm going to link to it because they did the hard work of trying different temperatures and different times, and describing and taking pictures of the eggs at. Different temperatures and different times.
1: Yeah, I've actually got their book, the Food Lab book, and it's it's remarkable. It goes through a lot of, uh, of the, they've done done experiments of uh, cooking steaks the same way, and you know, eggs te- for different temperatures and different times. Mm. It's they've done a lot yeah. of a lot of the, the legwork really.
0: So I've decided on uh, sixty three degrees for one and a half hours, and mm-hmm. that I'm I'm going to try that. I haven't done it yet, um, but I found this website, and I have a uh, sort of a poor man's sous vide, as you probably heard in a previous (laughs) show.
1: The dork food.
0: Yeah, it uses a crock pot in this device called a dork food um, regulator, which is essentially Mm -hmm. a little thing that you plug the crock pot into, and then you plug this thing into the wall, and it, with a temperature sensor, turns the crock pot on and off to regulate a temperature that you set. Right. So I'm going home right now and try this, and I'll let you know next week what happens. Mm, Nice. (laughs) Yeah, so that's my recipe. What do you got? Yeah.
1: So I've actually got probably the first or second recipe I ever put on my own blog, Um, and this was um, uh, a recipe. It's actually a slow squid, and it's a recipe Mm. from Raymond Blanc, who's a famous TV chef. Why he's a famous French chef. He's okay. a, I think he's got two two hats, and he's taught multiple three hat uh, chefs, and so he's a he's a he's a really uh, one of the top French chefs, and does a lot of videos. Uh, you'll find be able to find them on YouTube, and we'll, we'll link to a couple of of examples. Um, where he Mm. explains the science and the mechanism of cooking. So when I first started, I really learned to cook from people like Raymond Blanc and Marco Pierre White, Mm. who are probably the older generation of TV cooks who really gave a lot of the the detail of the mechanism of cooking, why you do things. Mm. A lot of the modern... TV cooks like uh, Jamie Oliver, Emeril Lagasse. They show you a recipe, they get it on the plate, and they give yeah, you yeah. enough information so that you can get it on your plate as well. But these older chefs all explain to you why they do what they do, and I, f- okay. I find that fascinating. I'm I'm uh, att- attracted to the to the science of cooking. Sure. So anyway, he he talks about. Uh, uh, this recipe is a slow squid, and basically, squid's interesting. You, there's two ways yeah. to cook squid. You either cook it very quickly, or you mm. cook it for a, for an hour. No in between. If you cook it in between, it's like cook making rubber bands. Yeah. It's like eating rubber bands. I've had
0: a cuttlefish at a local Thai restaurant, and they cook it quickly. Right. Obviously, they have to. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's rubbery, and but you know they like it. It's tasty, but it's rubbery. They
1: cook it a bit too long. But if you if you cook it for like fifteen seconds, it's it's delicious. If you cook it for thirty seconds, it becomes rubbery and it stays rubbery f- until about fifty nine minutes and thirty <laughs> seconds, and then it becomes. Uh, what it ends up becoming is the the collagen's in the um, in the muscle break down and they turn into gelatin. Yeah. And the mouthfeel is almost like. It's kind of similar to silken tofu, oh. but the, the the diff the amazing difference is the the flavour. Yeah, you know, oh. quick squid f- deep fried is usually sort of lathered in salt and pepper because it has almost no taste. Right. It's just a it's just a vehicle for 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 currying um, mayonnaise or whatever it mm. is you're, you're dipping into it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But but squid when it's slow cooked develops a really Interesting seafood flavour, which wow. is quite delicious.
0: Wow, I'm going to have to try it.
1: Yeah, so this is essentially it's it's really a stew, and so what you're doing is you're starting off with about uh, half a kilo of squid tubes, and three three tubes was almost exactly 500 grams, half a kilo. So mm-hmm. um, that's about what you want, and I guess about a pound of uh, a pound of squid tubes. Sure. And um, so what you do is you clean the the skin from the outside of the tubes and you remove the spine that's like a little bit of cartilage that's down the middle of them and then mm. you open the tubes and with a sharp knife you just score the squid tubes every sort of um quarter of an inch
0: on the outside right
1: yeah about a half centimeter on the outside that's right mm. and then you turn it 90 degrees and you repeat it again and what you end up with is a, a crisscross pattern of mm. uh scoring right and then um you cut the tubes into equal size rectangles, about, uh, 15 centimeters by five centimeters. So I guess it's about, uh, uh, what, three inches by an inch kind of uh, rectangles. Mm. And what's going to happen is when they cook, they're going to curl around and they're going it's going to leave a nice, attractive sort of look to the look to the dish. Mm. What I do is I reserve two pieces to fry at the end and I'm, I'm going to quick fry them and then just pop them on the top nice. of the stew as a garnish. So I've got the slow stuff in the bottom and then I've got the quick stuff on the top. And the quick stuff will be bright white because mm. squid, when you fry it, it's nice and white. The stuff down the bottom will be almost orange because I'm going to cook it in in a stew that has got paprika, uh, it's got um, uh, a little bit of pumpkin, it's got a little bit of chorizo, oh. it's got chili peppers, paprika, white wine you know what's
0: great is chorizo goes so well with seafood yeah it does why it? is that you don't necessarily think of putting a pork sausage in a seafood dish but you know think of that the no. creole stuff you know gumbo and yeah.
1: jambalaya and, and, and dewy yeah.
0: sausage which is very similar to chorizo yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I chorizo I have chorizo a lot with uh with shrimp or prawns. Mm. It's delicious. It really is good. Yep. So so basically uh it's it's what I'm doing is I'm gonna I'm gonna boil some wine in a saucepan, cook to cook off the alcohol, and then I'm just gonna add all of my ingredients uh and I'm gonna cook the shallots and uh and add the chorizo and brown that and then I'm gonna finally add the chili pepper and, and and then what I'm gonna end up with is a stew. Put the um the rectangles of squid in the stew and I'm gonna cook it for about be- for about an hour. Nice. Yeah, so and I'll do it on a slow heat. Yeah. I won't put it on a hot heat. So maybe uh, my, uh, my 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 uh, stove goes around six units. I'll probably put it number one and number two, and you just don't you want it blipping just a little bit, and you're going to cook it for a good hour. If you cook it any less, it's going to be like rubber bands. But
0: now, do you have a flame stove, like a, a gas stove or a propane stove, or is it electric?
1: No, I've got an electric one currently. Yeah, I've I've um, for the past year, I've I've been in a poky little kitchen. Uh, in a place that I rented in canberra, my house, my home is uh, we rent out to other people down mm. down at Bateman's Bay, and that has like a that has a, a very expensive uh, DeLonghi um, nice gas it's way too nice for them yeah
0: <laughs> i I have a propane mm. ranges and I found that putting them yeah. putting them on low sometimes is too hot for slow cooking yeah and i've figured out a technique when I do beef stew and things of taking the burners, which are these cast iron thick and one inch thick uh, grates and stacking them on top of each other. So Mm -hmm. I have about three high and then I put the pot on top of that. And with that on low, it will still bring a a stew to a a slow rolling boil. So you kind of just have to be careful.
1: Yeah. You can actually get, uh, we have a hexagonal metal plate that we use in that scenario and it's got Dimples in it and it raises the pot off the mm. off the surface and so you then end up getting an indirect heat or I guess a radiated heat. From the, heat so yeah. the plate sit the plate sits on the fire on the propane burner and then it's got these dimples that hold the pot up a little bit mm. and then the pot gets the radiated
0: heat. So this sounds really good. Um, how do you serve it?
1: Yeah, so in the end, what I do is I fry the two reserve pieces of squid in a deep fryer full of hot lard for no more than a minute. Ah. Ideally, probably about 25 seconds is perfect. As soon as it starts to curl, um, pull it out Mm. because if you leave it in for too long – it will turn into rubber bands. And then yeah. you just pop those on a bot, on, on top of a bowl of the stew, uh, just to remind, basically, it just reminds everybody that you had, you know, two ways to cook squid. <laughs> yeah, right. And it sort of tells them what's in the stew. It's like, know? hey, I
0: so, have technique.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I have technique. So, so anyway, I'm going to put a link to the video of Raymond Blanc explaining this. Great. He does a much better job than I do. And I'll put a link to uh, a recipe so that you can follow what I did, plus some pictures of the food that I made. That
0: sounds great, Richard. Delicious. That's my recipe. All right, man. That That's a, a show, a really good one this week, buddy.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's been good.
0: All right. Well, of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute what we've said, Send it by email to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post it on our website. Yeah,
1: and you can follow us on Twitter at 2KetoDudes or on Instagram at 2 keto dudes. And of course, if you want to join our Facebook community, there's about 8,600 of us there. Yeah. And uh, it's at fb.2keto.com.
0: Keep calm keto on, Richard. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right, and we'll see you next time on 2 Keto, keto Dudes.